It's Tuesday, the 16th of February. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert, joined by Shane Lee. Shane, how are you? Leary-eyed, watching all this tennis, mate, late at night, but it's, uh, it's fantastic to watch. Even with no crowds, I'm really enjoying it, mate. Yeah, Ash Barty, the Barty party continues. Yes. Huge show today. Rob Gilbert, he's going to tell us what it's like in Melbourne. Of course, it's been a tough time during the lockdown, but the tennis has continued. On that theme, we're going to talk to Matt Dwyer from Tennis Australia. Not much sleep amongst his ranks. This is Afternoon Sport. Let's get into it. Yeah, Ash Barty, she was brilliant, wasn't she, Shane? Mate, she looked good, and she's now into the quarterfinals with a... Look, it was a really um, sound win, 6-3, uh, 6-4, six, six, and she now goes into the quarterfinal to play as it Carolina Machova. So, look, she's looking good. It's a good side of the draw, and... Um, yeah, she hasn't dropped a set yet. Yeah, Carolina Machova, uh, number 25 in the world from the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, the big guns are on the other side of the draw. She made the semifinals last year. She made the quarterfinals a year before the Barty party already into the quarterfinals here. So we'll watch with interest. And we're going to talk to Matt Dwyer from Tennis Australia very shortly on the show. But let's talk a little bit of cricket. Steve Smith got 100 yesterday, and he's one of the 42 Australians who are going to go into the IPL auction. Glenn Maxwell of course, it looks like Coley's team want him and he wants to play test cricket again. He sure does and um, I think he should give it another crack. I think there's potential spots in that Australian team but if you look at his career so far, he's only scored 100, averaging 26 with a bat. His first class career batting average is also quite interesting. He scored 4,000 first class runs at less than 40. So look, his form would suggest the long form of the game doesn't really suit him but He's a heck of a talent. He scored 278 only a year and a half ago against New South Wales at North Sydney Oval. So would you have him in your team, potentially? Yeah, well, it looks like uh, Coley wants him. It's going to be interesting to see how this IPL auction goes, Mm. the money in cricket these days. Just extraordinary. Now, look, most cricketers these days follow a diet. They've got nutritionists. They've got, you know, they've got all sorts of fitness programs. They get fat-tested, BMI, everything else. Not Raheem Cornwall from the West Indies. What about this big unit? He's 140 kilos, but he's good too. I already he's 140 plus tax, I reckon. Um, he's about 196 centimetres tall, but uh, yeah, he's, a, he's an off-spin bowler. Um, who would have thought out of the West Indies? But uh, what a magnificent win from the West Indies, beating Bangladesh by 17 runs in the end. And, and Cornwell, the off-spinner, the 140-kilo off-spinner, returned match figures of nine for 197. Unbelievable. He also took one of the best catches you'll ever see at first slip off the other spinner and uh, diving to his right. And he's a, re- he's a real pleasure to watch this guy. Yeah, there's hope for all of us, isn't there? Absolutely. <laughs> there is, Timmy. Come back in fourth grade for Mossman. Yeah, he must have seen some big units over the day. Or, the, or those that defied the way they looked in, in, in sport. Well, to put it into context, I think when Big Merv was at his biggest bowling for Australia, he was probably only about 100 and 10 kilos maximum, I reckon, and uh, this guy's got another 30 or 40 kilos on him, so uh, he is one big unit. Yeah, Raheem Cornwall. We'll watch his name with interest. The Waratahs, this is an interesting one with Rugby Union because they've lost Jack Dempsey, and it seems like a lot of those pay cuts that took place during the COVID era or COVID time or the heavy part of the COVID time last year is starting to play an impact here because uh, they're struggling to keep players. It is, mate. So Jack Dempsey, he's the 15th Wallaby to leave the Waratahs 
since 2019. Mm. They're all going overseas to play and earn money. So um, the Waratahs might might have a pretty ordinary season, I think, this year. Yeah, and a lot are going to the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, Rugby Union, of course, they're looking to reignite and we'll watch that space with interest. Well, a guy that was a very good Rugby Union player and an extraordinary Rugby League player, did it at every level, and now coaches the Canberra Raiders, Ricky Stewart. I travelled to the nation's capital last week for a sit-down with Ricky for afternoon sport. He was very transparent, very upfront, very honest. It was a great chat. You'll get the full chat tomorrow as we wrap it up here uh, in our deep dive. Here's a little taste of Ricky Stewart ahead of tomorrow's full interview. You know, when I first come back to Canberra to coach, my first goal was to make this team a competitive team again, and we really are. That's the only reason I'm here. Outside building this club and making everybody proud to be involved in the club, and we all are. Our players are so proud to be wearing the jumper. They're so proud to be a Raider. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, Rob Gilbert, he's based in Melbourne, he's going to talk to us about the lockdown, talk tennis and also give us the full snapshot of the world game, both here in the A-League and in the EPL. Afternoon Sport and Rob Gilbert joins us from Melbourne. Rob, we are feeling for you, my dear friend. How are you coping, Melbourne? Hey, Rob. How are you, mate? <laughs> Not too bad, Timmy. How are you, Shane? It's uh, yeah, Groundhog Day, isn't it? The circuit breaker lockdown. Only a couple of days to go. The positive test results we've seen so far give cause for optimism that um, by late Wednesday, mm. we should be back open for business again on Thursday. So, yeah, it's just such a shame that it happened over the weekend. Needless to say, the small business uh, all over the state was smashed. Um, Valentine's Day, uh, Lunar uh, New Year, uh, all of the, the Chinese restaurants and celebrations. And, and then just to watch the beautiful weather at the Australian Open, and, uh, without crowds was uh, was a real shame. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ash Barty, uh, fantastic last night again. She beat Shelby Rogers convincingly. Yeah, again, um, Ash is just rolling on uh, a, a trajectory towards breaking the 43-year drought since Chris O'Neill won the, the last Australian Open women's title in 1978. Gets brought up every year, as does Mark Edmondson, who uh, won in 1976. The, the drought, will it finally break? Um, Ash looks like she's going to go very close to it. The side of the draw that she's on is favourable. The Serena Williams-Hallop side is at the opposite, so she's headed towards a final with either of them if um, the seeds continue to go the way that you'd expect them to. There's a lot of history on the line here with the women's side uh, as well as the men's um, that um, Serena's got that opportunity to, to go ahead of Margaret Court, and uh, we'll talk in a moment about uh, Rafael Nadal. But, uh, yeah, Ash Barty just, uh, just keeps on keeping on on, you know, she's one of those players that's got guts and resilience and uh, and and nerves of steel, which, uh, uh, along with the complete package of uh, of tennis, um, the skills, that incredible slice that she plays, uh, I think we're uh, hopefully um, heading for an enjoyable last Saturday of the tournament this coming Saturday. Rob, you mentioned Rafael Nadal just before. What do you reckon the rest of the tournament looks like for him? Yeah, so Rafael Nadal, quite incredible, isn't it, Shane, that he's uh, going under the radar in this tournament because there are so many other stories flying around about the Australian Open tennis that currently is equal with Roger Federer on 20 all-time Grand Slam titles. Djokovic, uh, 17, across the great Pete Sampras, they all passed several years ago who had held the title on 14. And uh, if he wins this uh, tournament, he will obviously go to 20 and hold that title on his own and uh, 
as much as um, there's some controversy about Rafa, I've been there with my young teenage son at the time in a quarterfinal where he walked off the court uh, injured and disappointed. A full Rod Laver arena, he uh, is not the sort of guy that will continue on if he feels his body can't handle it. And from time to time, that has been a criticism of him, but uh, it's not very often that his body hasn't uh, stood up to the test. And uh, when you've got the kind of record that he does at Roland Garros in particular, which is notoriously the the toughest um, surface, the clay to, to play on, you've got to give credit where it's due. Oh, absolutely. No question. Now, look, uh, a lot of people think that uh, what has happened in Victoria again is heavy handed, the whole state closing down. But I'm not going to go politics because my producers don't like it. And and, and I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. But one thing, one thing it has done is it's messed a lot of sports up, hasn't it? Like the A-League, we were all set to to go to the Wanderers. I was going to take the kids on Saturday night. Boom, gone. So that the the whole round has been messed up. But Central Coast are just flying along, aren't they? This, 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 a rag bag of a team that Alan Stachich has got. Yeah, well, Alan Stachich has, um, has been well documented over the past week in uh, a series of uh, discussions in the, the general media. He, Stachich. Uh, Stachich, yes. Uh, Brenton Speed, Lucy Zelich, uh, who are both uh, uh, big uh, enthusiasts of uh, pronouncing things correctly, as uh, close Twitter watchers will know. But uh, to get back onto the point, the A-League, as you say, it's been disrupted uh, as much as any sport. So if you look at it this way that uh, Stachich's Mariners are six wins from eight starts on 18 points on top of the ladder but uh, Sydney FC with Bobo returning soon um, have only played five games to the Mariners eight so if you give them the three results that uh, they don't currently have because of uh, postponed matches then they go to 19 points now that's obviously a bit of a stretch but uh, you could uh, be sure that Steve Corica and the uh, power brokers at Sydney FC will be conscious of that as will Perth Glory also on five games, uh, nine points. So the latter as it stands with the Mariners on 18 and MacArthur in their debut season under Ante Milicic uh, on 14 points and then uh, Brisbane and, as you say, Western Sydney, it's not a true reflection of the latter. I'll tell you one thing is a true reflection, guys, though, is Melbourne victory. Uh, Grant Brebner, former um, long-term player, with the club has not been able to to get a tune out of them at all. They've won one game, had one draw from six starts. You, you've got to ask the question, at what point in a relatively short season does it become a crisis? They've never won a wooden spoon in their time uh, as a foundation club of the A-League. They finished second last last year. It all went pear-shaped after Kevin Muscat was, uh, well, you know, he the, the, the press releases said that he volunteered to go, but it was off the back of a bad semi-final loss the year before and a, and a run of losses that, um, yeah, it's all gone pear-shaped since he went. So um, victory at the bottom Mariners at the top. If you had that in uh, your pre-season prognostications, Timothy and Shane, uh, you'd be making a, a tidy little sum right now. What's happening in the EPL, Rob? Uh, yes, Shane, the uh, the English Premier League, uh, you'd have to say that Liverpool, their championship defence is all but over. Uh, currently, with a game in hand, Manchester City uh, under Pep Guardiola, 53 points, and Liverpool on 40 points. So uh, you just can't see that happening. The um, the way that they, they fell apart uh, on uh, Saturday night, our time, against Leicester City, they were leading 1-0 with uh, about 13 minutes 
minutes to go in regulation time and pretty much imploded. Alisson, the Brazilian goalkeeper, who's renowned as one of the best goalkeepers in the world in all competitions, has been a rock at the back of Liverpool with Virgil van Dijk. He, uh, both of them formed an incredible defence to support that attacking firepower of uh, of Mo Salah, Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino. And, uh, and he's, he's just coming up with some some comedic errors that uh, that Benny Hill wouldn't have even scripted uh, mm. with mm-hmm. the releases. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Re- releases out the back and just pretty much handing the ball over. Mm. And uh, it's uh, you've got a feel for a guy like that. And uh, feel for you and Klopp as well. He lost his mum last week as well, elderly mother, and a very close family, the Liverpool manager. And uh, he was... Um, the unflappable Jurgen was uh, was definitely flappable, and uh, yes, yeah, so so that seems all over. But they're still in with a chance of the Champions League, and uh, Manchester City. Well, their their nearest title chasers are, are their very noisy neighbours. Uh, well, usually that's the the name of the sobriquet attributed to them. But United, Leicester City, you know, they they're all in there with a a puncher's chance if they can get some form going. All right, Robbie. Well, thanks for that comprehensive wrap. We we hope beyond hope that Wednesday night you all come back to life and Melbourne and Victoria is back on the page. Take care, buddy. We'll talk soon. Absolutely, Timmy. Thanks, Shane. Cheers, mate. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, we have the Chief Tennis Officer of Tennis Australia, Matt Dwyer, joining us. It's been quite a few weeks, quite a year, really. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com As a professional sports person, I knew the value of a good coach. And being a business owner is no different. With the Business Coach from Growth Workshop, you can build the business you've always dreamed of. A valuable business that runs by itself. If you need to take control of your future with a winning strategy, Growth Workshop specialises in improving your cash flow, developing sales and marketing strategies to drive revenue, and getting those ideas out of your head into an action plan. Growth Workshop will help you develop a business plan and achieve your financial goals with regular guidance from our experienced team. Whether you want to drive revenue with a new marketing strategy or put the right team and systems in place, we'll help you free up from the day-to-day and allow you to grow your business. We can help. Get in touch with Growth Workshop Business Coaching at growthworkshop.com.au to book in for your no-obligation strategy session. Growth Workshop, turning your good idea and hard work into a valuable asset. Well, it's a real treat afternoon sport to have the Chief Tennis Officer from Tennis Australia, Matt Dwyer, join us. Matt, how are you? Good, thanks, Tim. How are you? We're almost there. Have you had any sleep? <laughs> no, I don't think anyone at the office has had sleep for, for the best part of 12 months, mate. It was uh, you know, last year at the AO, we, we had the battle with the bushfires and, and all the work that was kind of done there. And, and towards the second part of, of the tournament last year, we started hearing rumblings about something coming out of China and... Uh, I don't think any of us could have possibly expected what the next 12 months were going to look like as we as we planned for this AO. But um, we're here now, mate, and hopefully we can have two winners on Saturday evening and Sunday afternoon and uh, a great testimony to, to Australia and sport and what we're trying to do. Absolutely, and I think many people in the dark of winter, particularly the dark of the Melbourne winter, would have thought an Australian Open seemed absolutely fanciful. But here we are. Ash Barty again last night. She, she's... Just such a wonderful sportswoman person. I, I think you run out of good things to say because she's just got every corner covered. Mate, everything about her is just fantastic. And uh, and the best part about her is that when you meet her face-to-face, that's exactly 
what she is, um, the humility of a champion. Um, we weren't quite sure what she was going to be like coming back after a break, but uh, she's obviously done this before, having bounced back and played a bit of cricket a couple of years back. And uh, and what we've just seen is both on the court and mentally her game is just outstanding. And and once again, she's gone through in, in straight sets and, uh, and looking very good in the right half of the draw. Yeah, beat Shelby well last night. And up against Machova from the Czech Republic, uh, 25 in the world. She is in this good side of the draw, isn't she? Yeah, well, in the other half of the draw, you've got five major winners um, and Ash won't face any of them until the final. Um, so I don't think she'll get a better opportunity to uh, to get through to a final Australian Open. You don't want to modest these things, mate, but um, she's definitely doing everything right so far. And hopefully uh, the ladies in the other half of the draw play a whole heap of three setters and uh, – and by the time Saturday night comes around, um, Ash is fresh and, and ready to go and, and really set off the, uh, the finals weekend with a, with a bang for Australian tennis. It'd be a very entertaining documentary, wouldn't it, if you look back at this particular Australian Open. You had all the quarantine drama. You had uh, you know, Bernard Tomic qualifying in the most, uh, you know, we couldn't believe he went overseas, came back and qualified. You've got the, the Italians having the stouse. You've got Kyrgios back to form. That mad woman in the crowd yelling at Raph. I don't know what's, what was in her uh, iced tea, but it's been, it's been phenomenal. Mate, the, the tournament has just been an extension of the previous eight months, really, um, going through different variables. I think we're up to 17 different scenarios for the event, from fans to no fans to postponing to not having it all. Um, and then then the biggest challenge we kind of faced was how do you get 1,200 players and their entourage from 100 different countries where you know the virus is, is really crippling some of these countries into the most – um, zero tolerance country in the world or, or city in the world um, and try and do it whilst keeping keeping Melbournians safe um, and also putting on a great event that people can kind of kick off their 2021 with a, with a bit of fanfare and a bit of hope as to what does what does the new COVID kind of look like. So, mate, all these things that have happened over the last uh, over the last 10 days or so just seem like a logical extension of the last six months. Kyrgios was good, wasn't he? He was very, very good. When you think he hasn't played for a year, he's come back and he took team to five sets. And after those first two, we thought, boy, here we go, he's through. Um, but Dominic showed his strength to come back and win. But in a, in a little post note of that, he was that exhausted against uh, Dimitrov. You know, he, he couldn't compete. So uh, he's there, isn't he, Kyrgios? If uh, these next five years are the potential years that he's living up to, that'd be fantastic to watch. Yeah, I mean, you, you do actually forget how young Nick is, 24, um, and you see prime, whether it's cricketers or other sportsmen at this 26, 27 years of age. And uh, what what he has done now, I think, is just fi- found the way that he wants to perform over a 12-month calendar. So what events does he play in? Obviously, the last 12 months was quite unusual, but he seems to relish having a bit of a break, get away from the sport, refresh the batteries, and, and he doesn't need a six-month uh, kind of running to be able to play five setters. That was always the concern with Nick as to could he do it in Grand Slams with that type of leading and that type of schedule. But what we've seen in the way he battled out those uh, those five set matches across this tournament shows that, you know, he does have a bit of grit and a bit of heart. And and I think Australians are seeing that now and respecting it. And And I think we should be optimistic as to what he can potentially bring to the Australian Open for the next few years. As the Chief Tennis Officer, how much did it help that Serena committed, Rafa committed, Novak committed, 
you had Broadway acts coming because Roger, we, we, look, he's at an age where he's going to be very susceptible. Uh, he's right towards the end and, you know, he pulled out. He was never a, a guarantee, but how good was it that these others did come? Yeah, I mean, a lot of work has been done by Craig and the tournament guys for this tournament to be the one that they love. And um, we we had to call on that bank. We had to uh, to say, you know, despite this uncertain circumstances, can you be flexible? Um, can you come into this environment? And for them to commit early, you know, that, that's the star pulling power of this event um, is that we have global superstars. And to bring them into the country in a, in a safe environment, as we spoke about, was a big piece of the puzzle. And... And then you add the Ash and uh, and Nick stories and and a few of the other Aussies who who were quite um, buoyant about leading in and and had it not been some um, some unlucky results in five setters across the men and three setters across the women, I think we could have had seven or eight Aussies in that middle weekend and and really pushing um, Ash to to go into the second week. So there are a lot of pieces to uh, to get this right and to have to have a great event um, and. You know, all those pieces kind of came together. Well, here we are Tuesday afternoon. Um, tomorrow night, we will have an understanding as to whether the lockdown will, will finish. And you guys have it in place that you can have crowds again and uh, it wouldn't be that difficult to flick the switch. No, no we've, um, as I said, we had those 17 scenarios. Now, we weren't expecting them to all happen within one tournament. But, no. um, we haven't been too far off that. Um, but, you know, ticket sales have, have happened for the final weekend and we think that we can turn that on. And I think those images that we saw in those first five days that were shot across the world of fans enjoying live sport is something that we really want to finish the tournament with. And, and even if that is, only is 25% to, to 50% crowd, um, I think that would be a fitting finish to the tournament. Now, obviously, we need to get direction from health on that, but um, from our perspective, that would be that would be a great final weekend. Well, the numbers are going in the right way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, you know we all know that we're on a bit of a, a knife's edge with regard to what this looks like, um, but at this stage, fingers crossed, toes crossed. Um, as I said, we haven't slept too much to date, but uh, and I'm not sure we will sleep too much until Sunday night kind of rolls over. But I think we're we're optimistic that, uh, that we'll have the finish that we're looking for. Absolutely. And just just finally, it is a bit of a template for the rest of the world, isn't it? And going forward, we've got the Tokyo Games. We've got uh, the people at Wimbledon that want to have their tournament. We've got everything else that was canned in 2020 that wants to go ahead. So many eyes have viewed what has been going on in Melbourne. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's probably been one of the heartening things about the last kind of six-month journey. You know, all sports, not just domestically within Australia but internationally uh, are sharing their learnings as they go through it. We're all facing similar challenges. We're all desperate to get fans the opportunity to, to get into the grandstands again and to enjoy their sport because we know that our sport is not the same without them. And, you know, there's been a lot of sharing and a lot of learnings and, and we're all continuing to, to work our way through it. And I think that's a, a great setup for whatever the new COVID or you know, COVID normal, as they say, looks like in the future. It'll be because everyone's kind of come together and, and helped each other out as opposed to having to do it in isolation and make the same mistakes many times over. Matt Dwight, Chief Tennis Officer for Tennis Australia. It's been a real treat to have you on Afternoon Sport. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Tim. Fingers crossed for the next few days. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes to Rob Gilbert, also to Matt Dwyer. Thank you to our sponsors, Shane. www.spartansportshq.com And there's nothing about podcasts this guy doesn't know. His name is Dan McHugh. He's our producer and we thank him. See you tomorrow. See you then, guys.